Hello, welcome to David and Goliath Critical Football Podcast. It is the 8th of September and I'm Stefan and I'm here with my co-host, if that's what you call it, uh, Portelli. Say hello. Hello. Uh, that's a really good welcome back as well because it's been quite a long time, listeners. Um, we've had we've been inundated with requests for another pod. Um, we did warn you it could be though, right? Yeah, I mean... I know my, my welcome was a bit brief, but I was just so overwhelmed by the inundation of requests that we just, I just, I'm just too overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, you got it, listeners. Um, but um, yeah, it's been a busy life, so a lot's happened in football since we've been gone, so we've got a lot to catch up on. So um, here's the main topics for today, although we'll touch upon quite a lot. First of all, we're going to talk about the England, the recent international, and all the different issues sort of around that. Um, I'll probably mention that Switzerland uh, beat Portugal, the European champions as well. Uh, we'll talk about transfers that happened at the end of the window um, that we hadn't had a chance to discuss before. We'll then really do our kind of typical main feature, which isn't meant to be our typical main feature every time, which is the manager focus, and Klopp's name comes up quite a lot, but there'll be other names mentioned uh, in that respect. And then we'll finally give you what we promised about um, looking back at what we predicted last season would happen, as in what we predicted at the beginning of the season would happen at the end of the season, and you can laugh at how right or wrong we might have been. That'll finish us off. So, a lot to get through. Let's crack on in there. Yeah, I just want to add, managers come up a lot simply because we are in the age of the super manager that has come to the Premiership and it, it just gives a lot of conversation. There's a lot of articles written about them. There's a lot of, in my opinion, and Stefan's most likely, rubbish said. So it comes up a lot because it comes up a lot. Yeah, it's not that we want to talk about them constantly. It's just we can't help but these, you know, get frustrated by these crazy articles that are all sensationalism type approaches so it just riles us so it keeps on coming up on our list that's basically it isn't it and speaking of speaking of managers um how did you enjoy the um out of their league thing on the bbc oh, oh you mean the salford mm, thing mm. okay before we get into england um i mean i'm taking it as a pretty light-hearted show to be honest um you know it's just for me it's just interesting to see a club and how it's run at such a small level and think well I'd like to do that as a job to be honest with a lot of them I think I'd be pretty good personally but I'm sure everyone says that who watches it uh, I'm not really that bothered about the fact that they are you know Man United players I'm not a Man United fan um, it's quite nice to see see you know which ones I prefer I quite like Phil from the seams of it but yeah they're not in it as much this time it's more of a I consider it more of almost a semi-reality show rather than a with football involved rather than sort of uh, anything too serious like a, a real dream team but I, I don't like the fact that sort of, they make out like they're this tiny little club that's against all the odds but um, they're obviously a big money team for that level yeah I think that's that's what the issue is with me I mean essentially the class 92 weren't really in it it's just a hook to get people in but I'd rather focus on an actual struggling club or a club where you don't know where they'll finish each year and I think that would have would have been better but that being said yeah, it is, it is quite entertaining. It's good to get um, an insight into how a football club runs. Um, I, I like the segments, for example, about the um, star striker who was who was struggling, who might might have been out of football at the end of the season, and the issue with the with the pies as well, which was quite amusing. Yeah, and the life after football. Yeah. Um, but also, 
I mean, it shocks me, to be honest, that the fact that I don't think they're particularly intelligent people, even the uh, class of 92, um, but, I mean, even the people they've got in charge of, of like, the whole club, uh, I'm, I'm a bit shocked. They seem very nice and everything, but it's amazing how, you know, things. it's, it's, it's quite old school, the way it's run, and even the managers can be a bit old school and shouting at the players and things like that in a, in a way that wouldn't necessarily work at the top. As for the 92 thing, I get it. I'd happily watch it if it was another club. Um, but obviously, you know, the masses want the names and that's kind of the thing that we talk about with just general mentality of papers and, and just our society these days. So that that is the hook. It probably wouldn't get enough viewers to, to run otherwise. I, I would take it a step further. I'd say it probably wouldn't get on TV without without the Class 92 hook. But the the thing is, it's also typical of how things work where, all right, fine, it's sensationalism. That's why you get the... we would People would watch it because of... Gary Neville, Phil Neville, etc. But then they're not even in it at all. But it's most like there's this there's this con job that people just fall for it. People watch it then and then go, oh, that's, they'll remember the time when Gary Neville appeared for five minutes. Fair enough. I'd like to just say it's quite, I don't know, different. It's not happened a lot um, that we hear, we see the cameras in the dressing room for half time. I'm not sure how I'd feel about that as a manager or a player. I, I think I'd be a bit distracted, to be honest. And I feel from a player's point of view, especially considering their approach is so shouty, I'd feel even more uncomfortable that, at them shouting at me, that they're almost trying to put me down on in front of not just my teammates, but on TV and make a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I certainly get that. It's an interesting dynamic. Must have been a decent amount of money offered to allow it, but on the other hand, uh, I guess it's more publicity because you know the owners have got money. Mm, so you know, Lim is it Lim, the guy who's in charge, in, in, involved in Valencia? Yeah. He's uh, also a half like half shareholder there with Gary and that. Wow. Hence, Gary got the job. Who you know? Who you know? Eh? Who you know and who you blow? Oh, 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 oh! Did we just say that, Gary? Try and sue me. Well, just try it, bitch. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, hero worship and uh, and that kind of thing, let's talk about the Dyson Rooney. That's a great little transition. I like that. Indeed. So, I mean, the main story, because we'll get to the match, which is crazy we're doing it this way around, but the main story of England seems to be this sort of uh, debate around Rooney. And, you know, I guess to summarise it, if listeners missed it, um, the general gist, I mean, let's be honest, you didn't miss it, listeners, because if you weren't a football geek, you would never have found this podcast, <laughs> let's be honest. But, yeah, the general gist is that um, Rooney seemed to play deep in the game. He was then interviewed after the game and suggested that Sam had been the one who'd spoken to him about that. But then when they spoke to Sam, Sam suggested that he wanted him to play higher up, but that he has got so much international experience that he knows what to do during a game and he's not going to... Uh, he's not going to tell him what to do when he's got so much experience firsthand. So, for me, it's there's a few issues. Uh, for you, it seems to be this hero worship of letting Rooney do what he wants. But for me, the one thing you'd think of Sam is, and I know he's not had long, is that players know their roles and they're organised. And for me, there was a lack of communication there. It was a bit surprising. Well, what's, what's strange to me is that, I mentioned this before, England have had various different types of managers. You've had, you've had the foreign... You... Not English? Mm? You've had, we've had. We've had, why? What did I say? You said you've had as if you're not English. Well, part more teams, yeah. When you want to be, they lost. Go on, carry on. Yeah, right, right. We'll, we'll take a 5-1. Um, but anyway... Um, the type of managers we've had. Yeah, type of managers very, very, very broad in skill set and background. But they all, they all start seem to be making the same mistakes. It's almost like they just forget 
who they are when they when they leave. I mean, Hodgson just all of a sudden tried to be this kind of sort of tactical genius when he was in reality played a certain way, was very good at that way. But then he tried to change his philosophy. Capello, very similar. And I don't know, do, do, do they just, when they get into the England setup, think they, they think they're under so much pressure from the media, from the fans, that they try and change things and they don't stick to their philosophy? I don't know, it just seems strange. And Allardyce has straight away fallen through. I at least thought he'd last a couple of games. Well, I'm going to respond to a few of those points. So, I mean, I would say that in the second half, there were a lot of balls from Walker, particularly going into the box, which is quite an Allardyce trait and one that I welcomed, actually. So it may be a bit early to say that he's fallen for the same tactical trap of trying to change too much, although there was a lot more passing possession football. Is he trying to force that? I almost Did you notice how they were passing out from the back from the goalie to such an extent where we were almost getting caught in possession right next to the goalie? I felt like, I don't know, it was almost the trying too hard to pretend you're not a long ball side when it wasn't necessarily needed there. So maybe there's a maybe his tactics will change. Hard to say at this stage. Hard hard to say. That's why I wasn't so bothered about the game as such. It was more his comments with Rooney that kind that kind of got me because it was just straight away I'm gonna let Rooney do what he wants. I'm gonna hero worship him and as you said, very, very contradictory to how Sam normally does things. But then people would say that he needs to adapt for different players and different international football, no? Yeah, may, maybe, maybe. But if if Rooney was that much worth it, then I'd say fine, but he's not. This this is fundamentally the problem. If we had Lionel Messi in our team, I'd probably say fair enough, but he doesn't. So he's, he's fallen straight into that same trap. And not only that, he pretty much picked the same same team as well. well. I wanted to bring that up as well, because selection um, is something that we've... T- yeah, basically we've got a theory that particularly foreign managers, they come over and they're not blinded by the, the the kind of rubbish that we have in the media and so on. So they kind of pick a squad that they consider at least on short-term merit from how long they've been in the country. And then after a while, they're kind of poisoned in the same way everyone else is and that falls away. But in Sam's case, we were hoping that wouldn't be the case because he's generally not cared what the media said, even though he's been over here. So we sort of said that there was a watermark of, well, you said Cresswell, but he's injured. Uh, and then I said Noble, who is managed. Yeah. And I was surprised to see that Noble wasn't in the squad after what was a great last season. What gets me about the Noble one in particular is that if Allardyce wasn't England manager, let's say if he was still at West Ham, or maybe if he was still at Sunderland, he'd be the first to say, why has Noble got in that, not in that squad? He really would be. That's true. He, he was quite vocal about scenarios like that. He used to push his own players, which is fair enough, but he seemed to really mean it with players that were worse the likes of Nolans and all sorts is probably mentioned in the past um, also we... Walcott and others were back in yeah that's the thing I think he's just he's just fallen into that same trap yet again that they, they all do they just get I don't know what it is I mean you've you've said you know the media pressure possibly maybe it's the pressure to change or, or maybe it's just they, they fall into that same trap it's like if a manager gets promoted or a work to say head manager and then he kind of has to sell out a bit in order to do that maybe it's the same sort of philosophy I mean one player that surprised me and it's sort of off topic a little bit although it's about selection is Alex McCarthy recently of Crystal Palace third choice keeper for quite a bit at Crystal Palace effectively mm. um, 
getting an England call up. Is that just desperation because of a lack of English options in all positions in the Premier League? Or is that, oh, he's at Southampton, so even though he's number two, he's suddenly more fashionable than Palace? Or have I got a chip on my shoulder? I'd say probably probably a bit of both, actually. I think I think probably the Southampton thing helps, but I think the the real problem is that is that we just accept um, our goalkeepers not playing because of because a named manager comes in and drops them. So we accept us not having any goal, good goalkeepers, and then complain that we don't have any players to pick. Would you want to do that? You want to talk heart, or we come? No, we'll do that in transfers, shall we? We'll, we'll do that in transfers. Okay. All right. So, I mean, performance-wise itself, we haven't. Yeah, let's get on to that really uh, for England. I mean, first half, I thought same old, really, to be honest. Um, second half. Even before the sending off, I was actually quite positive. I, I came away and spoke to a lot of people, and you know, I moan a lot on this pod, um, and just generally in life. And I was surprised how much people were moaning, and I was actually fairly positive about the game, in the sense that there were a hell of a lot of balls that got in the box. There was direct. That it was you could tell that they were genuinely trying to push for a win, rather than just wait for the last five ten minutes and constantly pass the ball sideways and backwards. In the meantime, you know, I, I felt that. Um, we could have scored a good few more. What I would say is that at the point we looked better was when we were just getting balls into the box, which is fine because teams play deep against us, especially with 10 men. Um, but then also we didn't have, and I hate to say it, um, like a Kevin Davis to barge and power through. Kane's competent in the air, but it felt like a lot of the balls were wasted considering um, you know no, they no, play differently. No one was supporting him because Rooney was holding the defender's hands. But even if he was, yeah, that would have made a difference in terms of playing through balls through the centre and stuff like that, but it wouldn't have changed the, the balls coming into the box from the wing. No, I suppose not. Maybe an extra man to mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it all has a knock-on effect, really. But this is where, if we're going to do that, and we don't know how much so, then as much as I really don't like an Andy Carroll, some form of that mould striker could make sense as an option. And he needs to do a lot more to to be, merit it, of course. He doesn't just get in it uh, without having done anything. Um, but can you see the logic if we're going to get balls in? Yeah, but I've always been slightly divergent with you in that philosophy. I mean, I do think it should be merit-based, but you should also pick based on who you're going to play. So I, I agree, Carroll probably probably is our 10th best striker, say, but if we are going to play long ball, then we may as well pick him. I take your point about merit, and the, the, even with that, these other guys would show he has some balls. Yeah, but this is this kind of... I think you're referring to the Peter Crouch debate where you said in the past that you know he makes sense against so many other mm. teams. And I was fine with that because he was at least doing something. Do you know, whereas I feel like Carroll's so far from the mark that he's not even close on the merit, no, if no, it was I, kind of halfway. Yeah, no, I, I, I do kind of agree. And I, I'm not even saying... Yeah, I, it's, it's just finding that balance. You shouldn't just pick... I mean, if we had say five tapping merchants who are better, who, who is better than this, who is better than the than the tall guy. Sadly, you probably have to pick the tall two, the tall guy ahead of two of the tapping merchants, even if they're better, just for a balanced team. Um, trouble is, Allardyce didn't did neither. No, but I mean, the thing is, is it's one game, which you know is is one thing, and there were some good signs, there were some bad signs. I thought in the second half there were a lot of good signs. I was of course frustrated until the goal went in, and that changes the outlook a lot, but. 
even without that goal, you know, I felt I felt fairly positive at the end of the second half, to be honest. But also, you can't take too much into account. I mean, look at Portugal, who, you know, I'm not saying Switzerland the minnows, but there were a lot of other results that, that were quite crazy. So, you know, it's difficult. You've got to look over a stretch because these qualifiers, they're, they're, they're not quite... It's not the same as a one-off Premier League game in terms of judging people in a way. Yeah, for, for me, as I say, I'm less bothered about the game and the result, but more just the Rooney comments and the fact that to a large point, it may as well have been a Hodgson squad, apart from Antonio Antonio pick. Whether I agree with it or not, at least he's doing something different. I'm always suspicious if nothing's going to change, because then what's the point of sacking a manager? Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, the Antonio one was in a way refreshing, but actually don't think that he'd started the season great. And he's playing right back for his club. Should Is he picked as a right back for England? I don't know. Um, I'm a, that's my question rather than the question of uh, playing a player like that in the sense that he did play well last year he's had some good bits this year despite some of the errors defensively um, it's just more uh, I don't know I felt like it was strange that he picked that one but not a noble mm, true no or I agree didn't start a drink water no certainly or even bring him on um, okay I mean talking of other international fixtures that were surprising I mean obviously the, 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 the world champions the mighty Belgium obviously according to their fans the arrogance um, were um, defeated by uh, Spain 2-0 which apparently warranted uh, boos what do you think of that? I think they might have just been booing Martinez don't blame them no, see, I, I was purposely um, winding <laughs> up, but I mean, I, I don't blame them. Well, I do blame them because I don't blame them for being unhappy with the appointment. It's a ridiculous appointment. And his choice of assistant, as they said, I think, the other day on TalkSport, was interesting, or was it Guardian? Because he's known for his uh, ability, well, his, his weakness at coaching defensively. So you would have thought maybe his closest coach would have been someone more solid and experienced defensively but um, he went for a name in, in a French Henri it's not even a Belgium name so it's a strange one but I also don't agree that Belgium as good as they are on paper are not good enough that they should be able to justify booing their manager after one game for a 2-0 loss against them it's not accumulation of, of loads of games maybe you could maybe they're not booing him maybe they're booing the general underperformance with that squad maybe maybe but I, I just you know, if I come back in a, in another light, I want to come back as Martinez. The man, the man keeps failing but getting higher jobs. It's, he can dance. It's, it's incredible. Well, well that's, he clearly dances around around people's minds. He's yeah. going to keep getting jobs. I mean, if he fails at Belgium, now I think the next progression is either Real Madrid, Barcelona, or maybe the Spain job. Because <laughs> it, it, it genuinely is incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we've uh, had enough of international football because, as you know, uh, it's not really our thing. Not mine, well, anyway. we, we can we can we can what's the word um move on to a link which is joe hart which kind yes. of all right so yeah trans transfers let's start with joe hart one that you're particularly passionate about so go well what gets me is that we'll have a tournament like we do and we'll be like england have underperformed our players aren't getting enough opportunities at big clubs etc etc they're not good enough and so on and, and i'm not even saying that's wrong but then but then we, a manager comes in and decides to get rid of our number one goalkeeper for no apparent reason. I mean, you can say, oh, it's because he can't pass the ball. Well, Claudio Brava can't save shots. You know, what's more important? It's, and parts seem fine on the ball for me anyway. But it's the fact we just accept that. We accept the fact that 
a manager can come in and get rid of our number one goalkeeper for no real good reason and say, oh, it's okay because it's Pep, etc. And then in the next breath going, oh, do you know, it's so annoying that our players aren't getting opportunities at the top level. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And knowing that, it, there would be so more outcry if, say, Mourinho had come in, despite Mourinho's reputation, and said, I want to get rid of De Gea and bring in, I don't know, like Peter Cech or some, someone like that. There'd be a lot more outcry about that. But surely we should be supporting our own. This is the kind of thing. And if we're not going to support our own, that's fine. But then don't make out you're an England fan. All right. Um, I generally agree with you. Um, although I don't think Hart had a great club season last year either, to be honest. But I'm a big fan of his in many respects. I think his passion is one of the reasons I love him. But I also think that that might have been perceived as hard to manage, which could have played a part as much as the uh, the rest of the decision was as well. But one thing is that you said to, about Allardyce that if you're going to play against certain teams or certain tactics, then you need to play certain players. Well, maybe he's saying, well, we're going to play against a lot of teams that play so deep that we're going to have to have our defence so high that I do need someone to sweep up. Yeah, I agree. But coming back to the Allardyce thing... It's he, what I said about, say, playing Carroll because we're playing certain teams. Well, he can't say to Rooney, grow another foot. So there's nothing he can really do about that. But Guardiola can say to Hart, coach him in passing. There, 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 there is that difference. They can do something about it. And it's not as if it's significant either. It's not as if Joe Hart is incapable of kicking a football. It's not as if Joe Hart is incapable of passing a football. And it's not as if he's been caught out. He hasn't been given the chance. If he'd say, right, well, let's give him a go, let's try and coach him, although some people say that's instinct or whatever, it's not like he's given him a go and, 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 and then it didn't work out. I mean, he could have sold Calabero and signed Bravo and started, because Bravo's been number two before, I believe, for quite a while, a lot of money for a 33-year-old, by the way, um, started Hart and um, as soon as he, well, not necessarily as soon as, but... You know, as soon as the, if mistakes started creeping in, he then could have made the change. Yeah, I'm also not convinced you need a goalkeeper to do that. Because as you say, teams will be sitting in deep. The goalkeeper just needs to pass to Stones, and Stones will do it. Or Kodorov, or whoever. I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a... But, uh, not, not the passing thing, but the coming off your line like Lloris does to, you know, when the ball comes over the top. Because yeah, okay. the defence will be higher. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that's a fair point. But, the, but again, again, kind of do, do something with it. Or... Or even, or even if you say, okay, fine, Guardiola is this brilliant manager, but it's incapable of somehow coaching someone. That's fine. Let's say if that's the case. But then, why do we accept that? Why, why is that acceptable to say that all of a sudden we're just going to get rid of as an as England fans? Why is that acceptable to get to get rid of to get rid of? Oh, I agree. This is the thing. In other countries, there'd be an outcry, even if the keeper was past his best and. Even though I don't think Hart had a great season last year, at his age, he's not past his best. Yeah, and look at Mourinho with Casillas. Look at the out, like Casillas. There was actually good reason for Mourinho to get rid of Casillas, but there was still outcry. Whether I agree with it or not, it at least showed these are Spanish. These are passionate about their own players. They're going to support them. I don't want that to go too far either and blinded the other way. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah. it's interesting because if, if it was Rogers in charge of City or Hughes and they yeah. did it, it would be viewed very differently. And actually, Rogers plays a very a passing game and stuff as well. Most definitely. And you know, I'd probably even I'd probably even just about maybe accept it if, say, Neuer or Lloris was available in a free transfer. But even then, I would, I would keep... Or not too expensive. Yeah. Or, yeah, but I'd keep heart and say, have a fair battle about it. And if, and if they're better, they're better. But Bravo is not even better. He, he, he might be able to pass the ball 10% better, but he can goalkeep about 50% less. Okay, well, from a heart point of view, though, 
you know, as, as bad as that is in many ways, I think it's sort of refreshing for whether by choice or otherwise that he's taken this opportunity that too many English players being quite small-minded don't take and has gone abroad and and not just gone abroad to a huge club whether that was his choice or not I don't know Um, he's going to genuinely experience something different and I've got a theory about him being a future manager and I think that if that were to turn out that way then this could help towards that or at least a future coach you know that's that's open-minded yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I, I think think that is a good move. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is he's not really under pressure for his first team spot until Butland comes back and starts playing like he was last year. So, but then, but let's let's talk Butland. As we've, we've as we've said, if Stoke had kept Begovic, then Butland wouldn't even be an option. And then let's say if Begovic wants to come back to Stoke, he'll probably take his place. And no, then, not now though. Well, we, we'll see. I mean, I, I well, all right, fine. But I'm, I'm uh, I get your point. The point is, is is that. We're not giving youngsters opportunities, and when well, we're not giving English players opportunities, and that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, people counter that saying that um, Guardiola's brought in stones. Sterling's got better under him, although note that Sterling played very well under Pellegrini for his first five or ten games before he, he faded apart. So let's see. But he does look good, though. Yeah. But he, look, but he looked excellent under Pellegrini for his first. I don't remember, but I'll take your word. Um, but but nevertheless, it's kind of still being fair, and I just don't I just don't think it was I don't think it's been particularly fair. And I feel if we're supporters of our country, then we sh- we kind of should be more in uproar about it. And if we're not, then just kind of accept that the national team in England development is secondary to club, which might even be fine. But it's- let's not pretend. Well, yeah, let's not pretend, but also, like, we've, we've meant talked in depth about the EPPP before. Then don't create rules that are only going to make the situation worse. It just makes even more of a mockery that they let clubs stockpile, multi-billion pound clubs stockpile for dirt cheap off of other clubs um, when they don't even give them a chance. Yeah, definitely. Or they gave Hart a chance, which is, which is well, fair. Well, actually, he was signed from Shrewsbury. But yeah, but, but still, still there's a chance, but then you're going to drop him and... The moment, the moment something goes goes wrong, there should be some sort of respect. And as I say, even Mourinho got criticism for Casillas. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, well, let's um, let's move on to transfers. Other transfers yeah. apart from Hart, then. Okay, so let's uh, have a look at some uh, notable ones as well. Um, well, Sano, that's happened um, quite a while ago now. He hasn't been thrown into the first team, um, but an over forty million pound player not being thrown into the first team is that a bit weird? No, because he's German and because it's Guardiola, he's going to have the, ironically, he's going to have the time to develop. Whereas I remember Sterling, there was a lot of pressure on straight away. This time last year, there was like, why are people paying 50 million for him? Oh, he needs to hit the ground running if he's going to do that. And people, he struggled under the pressure. But yet, because it, but Sani, on the other hand, is going to have a bit of a free pass for a long while. Is so, it because it's that, differently? Yeah, but it should, yeah, it probably is. But it should be the other way around, surely. It should be that we should be supporting our youngster rather than supporting a, a foreign youngster. Yeah, but it is an adaption from league to league. That goes a certain distance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, but that's not even... I would agree if that's the reason given, but that's not really the reason. Yeah, fair enough. And they've signed a load of other young players for quite a lot of money, um, some for less money, expensive Brazilians. I just wonder... I know why you'd sign for City, obviously, but I sort of wonder why you would in the sense from a career point of view rather than... Um, you know, from an immediate career point of view anyway, it's not good for you. Um, money, of course, and yeah, you still get moved on to another club. Yeah, but I tell you, that I, I get what you're saying, but someone like Sane will have a very low bar. He'll, he'll only have to do a couple of 7-10 performances and he'll be great. Look at, look at Bailey. 
Um, and yet, well, let's, I want to talk Bailey because you know it's not a recent transfer, but um, we mentioned about how it was bad value from a stats point of view, according to a recent article, but from um, the fact that he was transferred for so cheap about a year before. But I mean, they've, played, they've not played anyone big yet. This is pre Manchester derby this weekend, and. They're absolutely creaming over him, which is ridiculous. I've watched the games. He's done fine. Six, seven out of ten. No problem. Not tested. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's incredible. That's that's the thing. So if United had, say, had signed, say, Ryan Shawcross and they'd done that exact job. They'd say all the jury's still out. He hasn't tested anyone. Yeah, or even probably even worse, probably ignored as, it, as in he's irrelevant. Mm. Okay, so that's City. Um, I want to compare really some of the Palace signings not just because I love talking about Palace but to some of the other signings from a value point of view to sort of emphasise how nuts this window is but also how actually as much as it looks like Palace has spent we've not done bad business in the scheme of things Um, so for instance today Palace have just signed uh, Flamini on a free transfer Um, 32 not that thrilled he's not going to be playing week in week out I'd much rather Mele yeah, that's the thing. That's one of those. That's one of those kind of ridiculous transfers managers make, almost for the sake of it. You've signed a player at, at best about the same level as Jedinak. Yeah, I, I, just because he's a name with a few French caps for me, Jedinak's more effective because yeah. Flamini may chop around a bit and tackle hard, but I mean, Mille's just physically a beast. Yeah, and and Jedinak has also got interceptions as well. Flamini's never been the most proactive player he's more reactive whereas Jadonak will intercept but they say that they want to play a more passing game and the perception will be because he's from Arsenal he must be uh, a better passer he's supposed to be a good lad to be fair yeah yeah no, fair, fair enough we almost got um, Jack Wilshire but in my opinion he probably quite sensibly not from a geography point of view but from a career development point of view chose to go to Bournemouth because I look at the Bournemouth players and I know they've spent and I've criticised for that but I just feel like those players play to either their maximum or they've come on a long way under their manager in a great passing display. Um, whereas I don't feel like Pardew takes players on a lot. Well, I think that's especially quite, central. I feel that's quite damning for Pardew actually that Wilshire picked a lower club. It's a nice beach place, but yeah, I mean his family are around here as well. Um, I guess he'll definitely be playing week in week out. But I think it is damning, and we played uh, Bournemouth who were pretty good in the first half, dirtier than I thought. They dived quite a lot as well, particularly, uh, what's his name up front, Callum Wilson. Surprised me that. But um, the second half, it was quite interesting because uh, they've obviously not won for a little bit and they just defended completely, which is strange because they're not that good at it and they should have just kept on doing what they were doing in the first half, which was causing us problems. Um, whereas they let us completely bombard them. We absolutely pelted them and should have won. But um, I'm absolutely so far convinced about Pardew, but you know we've spoken about that before. But I find it interesting that we've made a lot of signings. He seems very happy, but we still seem actually we need a top-class defensive midfielder because we let Mile go. Um, oh, and we still need an attacking central midfielder. And in my opinion, the creativity through the central midfield was a massive problem, um, and we've still got that as an issue, even though we've got loads of firepower up front. 
<laughs> Thanks for your contribution. <laughs> uh, but anyway, some of the other stats. I mean, people think Benteke is a lot of money. Obviously, he is a lot of money. Twenty-seven million is a huge amount of money, rising to something else. Although I heard the clauses are the sort of ones that will never really be active, um, just to save face. But actually, let's just put this into perspective because you know, for the record, Benteke, wow, excited, well happy. As uh, we sort of mentioned when it was being linked a long time ago, took a long time to get done. But just a couple here. Ross McCormack, at the age of 29 or 30, has gone to Villa for about 14 million. A player that's never played, I don't believe, in the Premier League. What the hell? If he's 14 million, I know wages will be a difference, but actually, Benteke at 24 25 is a bargain at 27, relatively speaking. Didn't Villa sign another guy from Bristol City for about that price? Yeah, I wanted to talk about him. It was about 11 million, I think. Yeah. He's 26. He's played in France. I think it was even the second division in France. His goal scoring records, you know, good for the last two, three years. I don't even know if Bristol City were championship last year when he got those goals. That's awful. I can't remember that. Um, but, I mean, that's just a crazy one as well. It seems nuts. Well, I just think Vida and Newcastle, I'm sure we'll talk about Newcastle, may as well not have managers because all they're doing is just buying the best players and hoping it works. What's the point? Seriously, they might as well just—it's 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 just fantasy football. It's just buying players. But I feel like um, this is crazy because this is how much I rate the man. But I feel like with all those scattergun players and you know, mercenaries that they're signing, I actually feel like if Mile's still got the hunger, he'll he'll hold it all together because I genuinely believe that he held the dressing room together many a time at Palace. I almost feel like he was a bigger driving force than a lot of our managers in a purely positive way. So that's a great signing. Yeah, definitely. That actually is a substance signing and needed. Yeah. And a great character, which uh, I'm not sure about all their signings is, although they got the Bournemouth guy at centre-back. Yeah, I mean, talking about I don't think there's a, there even should be a debate about it. I think in the market it is, it's a, it's a fine signing. Like, I mean... Even if it somehow doesn't work out, the logic is there for the signing. It's only because, oh, oh, he's not good enough for Klopp. He must be rubbish. That's the only. That's the only reason he's been tainted. No other reason. But even for Klopp, I mean, actually, his goals per minute record yeah. is actually not that bad at all. A lot of those were subs and stuff as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just he's not the flavour of the month because of one injury and not amazing season. But you're forgetting the three or whatever that he had at. Villa which were exceptional and he certainly fits the bill in terms of his size physique for how uh, we play um, and he, he clearly wanted to join of course I'm sure we're paying him plenty but um, there were other interested parties and he sort of fobbed them off throughout the whole oh, messing around yeah that's a good point he did tweet that uh, he's delighted to sign for Burnley spelt Burnley wrong then apologised blaming it on one of his staff members but his staff member doesn't work a lot because he doesn't actually tweet that much <laughs> Good point. so was it really him but anyway welcome and he he looked a, a threat in his game against Bournemouth and I'd like to see a lot more of him we also signed uh, Remy who's a loan signing for now again not flavour of the month but I remember a few years ago we were, people were pretty excited by him yeah, he's he's genuine, genuinely good player. Unless something's happened, something's happened to him. Like I don't know, he's lost he's had some injuries. Yeah, I mean, there, there might. I mean, with him, there might be a good reason why people don't want him because we haven't seen him for a while. Maybe he's had injuries. Maybe he's lost some something. Who I knows? I don't think it's people don't want him. I think that he's not quite good enough for Chelsea starting yeah. week in week out, and uh, and he's not quite hungry enough to force the move away. 
Yeah, yeah, fair point. He's staying in London. Um, but he, he could certainly be a good foil for Benteke, but 4-4-2 hasn't really worked at Palace when we've tried it. So it'd be interesting to see if he fits in behind in the hole, but I'm not sure if he's that sort of player, actually. But it's good, it's good options to have, even if Remy's on the bench. Still, we need someone to play them through. That creative central midfielder punch hopefully will regain some form. It's been a, a long time coming from uh, from that point of view. Okay, a few other notable uh, signings. Uh, Pritchard, I think this is notable. Pritchard's gone from Tottenham to Norwich. Or is it Norwich or was it Brighton in the end? For about £8 million, I thought Pritchard would be given a chance at... Um, at Spurs because he certainly gives players a chance. I'd like to I'm, I'm, bring out. I feel. I feel this season. I feel this season. His signings are not that good. I, I feel. They, I feel they're the kind of signings we'd criticise other managers for. Wanyama for the value for the price is actually fine. Yeah, but then it's this block. It's blocking an opportunity. But I do take your point for the value. And they've got Champions League a bit more intense European games. But I mean, yeah, I don't agree with the Anson one and. As much as I respect the fact that he isn't just playing football managers, signing people up, I think he's under got the balance wrong a little bit. Because against Palace, um, they had three youngsters on the bench who I'd never heard of, and one who I'd heard of because he'd given him a bit of a run out last season. Um, and whilst that's admirable in a way, it's surprising that... Um, People talk about their squad being so deep when they've not even got major injuries for that to happen. Yeah, but as I was saying last year, he did well in part because they got hardly any injuries. And I think people, because people never look beyond the surface, it's, oh, you know, they've got a great squad. Well, they don't. They, they, they managed to keep the same 11 pretty much. And this is one reason why Kane might be knackered because he's barely missed a game in two years. Yeah. And But then that's why it's kind of strange that they get rid of Pritchard because surely if Pritchard had got assurances, he'd be in the squad and play sometimes then maybe he he would have certainly stayed. He me? kept him, he didn't send him out alone last year and uh, he had the year before and I was surprised he didn't get a chance last year because I thought he looked really good when he was out on Brentford. So it's um, fairly big money for the amount of games that he's played but actually I think that one could come good for the, the team that signed him rather than for Tottenham. Um, what other ones have I got listed down here? Right, um, Wilfred Bonney. No moves for a long time, but then went to Stoke on loan. For me, that is the final jigsaw missing in the Stoke puzzle. Yeah, I, st- I still think the depth isn't brilliant, but they don't necessarily need it. I've Fair enough. If he stays injury-free, yeah. they don't have to play Crouch. Um, then I think that's a better signing than uh, Berahino that they were linked with a lot. Yeah, if, if maybe short term, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think they've strengthened very. I think that's where they needed, and they, and they signed it. It was very good. Yeah, I think okay. they could they could be doing well. Pogba's finally signed. Let's not talk about this a lot. No. Let's just say the price was too high. Adidas probably played a fair bit. The way it was announced was ridiculous from a marketing point of view. I think we spoke about that last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he looks he's a good player. We're not doubting that. Um, but the FIFA don't seem to rate him in the sense that the FIFA stats for 2017 came out the other day and uh, there was a serious lack of English players which was ridiculous to that extent um, but also uh, Pogba wasn't near that close to the top number mm, one quite a shame for my team oh yeah the wacko cut guys you don't need to know it's very sad um, but I, I want to want to talk United a bit for their signings because I, I sense it again Mourinho and Guardiola they're great managers when things are going their way we'll see if they get injuries but no that no that guy they signed the Armenian who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name Mkhitaryan Mkhitaryan very good and um, he he was already getting praise for coming on and changing the game. I was like against um, Hull. I thought he was quite anonymous myself, but he's one of those that's already getting praise. So 
before he starts. So I think he'll be able to have a bit of a free pass as well. Fair enough. Uh, Stones, massive money, finally happened. Good, fair play to Barnsley for getting the sell-on clause. But, you know, he started fine and everything. I mean, City are doing some weird things with the full-backs. I've never seen Pep to that sort of level. Playing Collar off at centre-back at one point as well. He's doing some strange things in, in some regards. Got away with it, but they've not convinced me. United haven't convinced me, to be honest. United, United are doing what they... United is doing the Mourinho-type way. And that, and he's, and that will work, to a point. It may even work for a whole season. They may even win the league. But he'll fall apart at some point, because that's how Mourinho works. He's, he's short-term. He also relies on a lot of luck, and the luck balances itself, itself out somewhere down the line. City... Is Guardiola all over? Guardiola's like the, the teacher in the class who will only work with the with the best students, but not just the best students, the ones that fit perfectly his philosophy. He's the most limited one-dimensional manager, but if you play to that, then you'll get an excellent result. I like the way that you say that as we're sitting in a classroom in central London um, recording this. That's why you can hear some noise outside <laughs> central it's, London. Yeah, I think it's a good analogy, but and, and that's, the, that's the thing. So he can't work with Mangala, get rid of him. He can't work with Hart, get rid of him. He can only, he can only work with, with positions who can play midfielders. And I'm going to make a prediction. I think Aguero will eventually go. I know Aguero started well, but Guardiola's already had a bit of moan about him. What's he said? He said he doesn't work, work hard enough, basically. Um, even, even though he's scoring goals. I heard he's an awful trainer hmm. years ago, but Fair he's enough. best striker in the Premier, best striker in the Premier League, second best striker in the world. Yeah. But, but that, that's the thing, though. City are doing a Guardiola, Guardiola, Guardiola-esque job, you know, collar off in the centre. It's very hipster. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see We'll see if he can adapt to the league. We'll see how they get on with a few injuries. OK. Well, have Chelsea convinced you so far on the pitch and off the pitch? Well, as I've said, the thing I like about Conte is that, unlike the other two, he can work with different types of players. Moses has been given a chance yeah. under him. That's, 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 that's the thing. He, he, can, he doesn't have to have the exact best player specifications to fit his exact philosophy. Because I think most managers do well if you, if you gave them that chance. Conte has shown that. That being said, the signing of Alonso is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Huge money. Very. He's someone because he is someone you can actually say I've seen him play in the Premiership, there. and he's he was average. He was average at Sunderland, average at um, where was he at Bolton? Yeah, Bolton. Yeah. Yeah, and to go and pay thirty million, and uh, funny enough, I was actually watching a Fiorentina game um, just before um, that, and I was and I didn't really. I remember going and go Alonso. Is that that old Bolton Sunderland reject? Wow, the Italian league must be quite poor. And then I watched Fiorentina. Yeah, it's fine, but no more than that. And it it just strikes me as like, again, who you know, it's oh this guy's this guy's in the Italian league. I kind of know him. Let's sign him. Let's not play Aki. Let's not play Kennedy. Well, I wanna I wanna talk this. The, those two let's, in particular. Sorry, just quickly. Let's not even sign a Cresswell. You know, it's, it's those kind of signings that annoy you because they just block opportunities for others who are far more deserving. Whether it's a youngster, whether it's a player who has played in the Premiership for five years at an average club and not got a chance. It's just so. It's just so ridiculous. Just because he's a name, he's not even a name. He just he just happens to know a foreign manager. Yeah, I mean, I want to pick on a few things. First of all, kudos for Patelli for getting BT Sport, so he can now listen to the Guardian Podder dudes do a few foreign things and watch <laughs> Italian football. Um, but I mean, spot on about the whole uh, left back thing. I mean, Aki went out on loan last year. I know that there's a debate about where he might want to play position wise. Um, 
but did really well at Watford. There's no way he'd be worse. They've sent other people out on loan to Germany who were signed for big money. I feel like Aki's almost negatively you know, being punished because he came, he was signed young, not came through all the way through the youth system. And despite his foreign name, he's being almost put on the same page as a, an English youngster. Yeah, because we're, we're not saying... It's, it's all about being fair, fundamentally. And I would defend a foreign player if I feel they're not being treated fairly. And Aki's one of them. Aki deserves a chance. What more can you do? He did very well at Watford. Next progression is Chelsea. And then if Chelsea have got, say, I, I don't know, like, I don't know, give me, like, Philip Lahm and David Alaba ahead, then you say, fair enough. Maybe he can't get in. That's, that's, that's fair. That's merit-based. But they've got a guy who's a proven premiership average player. Just because he happens to know Conte from Italian days and Conte knows about him. If Conte wasn't in charge and any other manager was Alonso wouldn't have been on their radar it just comes down to who you know again yeah it's, it's a terrible one for me and uh, I heard I hear Aki likes a bit of a party with Leroy Fur <laughs> when Fur's in town when he used to be in town from one of my uh, students who used to live in the same block um, I would have loved Kennedy at Palace on loan I would have felt like you know I'm gassed Balassi's gone we haven't mentioned that yet but that would have softened the blow because I really rate Kennedy down that left wing, not as a defender. Well, well, speaking of that, because the, the one counter to that was what you mentioned about Ake not, not being a left-back, maybe more attacking, and you said the same back. No, Kennedy. he wants to be a defensive mid. Okay, fine, okay. But then you said Kennedy's more attacking. But, but he's defensive. Oh, I used to think he got quite forward. Uh, I don't know, not for me. But, 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 well, I mean, either way then, there's no defence, but... The, the, kind of, the kind of thing with Alonso's side is that they're saying Chelsea might want to play wing-backs with the signing of David Luiz. But, all right then, can Kennedy not play wing-back? That seems like an ideal position for him. Well, let's talk Luiz as well. Yeah. I'm more of a fan. Keep, now, let's do contact. I'm more of a fan than his than yours. Who, Luiz? Luiz, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan. I'm not that against him. I just, um, I just wonder why you'd pay £30 million for a player that age who's not amazing. Yeah, but I think he is. I think you, I think if you played him in the right position, he's been signed as a defender. Yeah, then then that's where I've an issue. I I was seriously playing, playing in in midfield, and just just have him spraying around balls and because it, it really yeah, pass the ball that well. He's an excellent passer, and I think when he wants to, he can run past players almost to yes. So the trouble is, is that in defence it's stupid when he does that. I I think I seriously think he's excellent, and I think you just need to play him in the right position. He's the future John Stones, maybe. Yeah, a good midfielder an average yeah. no fair enough <laughs> no I'd say the other way around yeah. average midfielder yeah okay alright fair enough uh, Chelsea on the pitch for me you know they've sort of snuck through past a, a few teams and not really convinced but then they've picked the points up and that's kind of what you've got to do so it's too early days to say you know, what the next level is if that's going to develop to being good or if it's you know, these are just building blocks or if it's going to stay shaky and we'll see the cracks yeah we'll, we'll, we will see I think they've certainly been a bit of a lucky Fair enough. Um, okay, uh, let's talk a few other signings. Uh, let's talk about um, Spurs. Quiet. Tried to steal Sahar. Um, Tried to literally steal him as well. What, for that price? Yeah, the I thing is, is I rate him so little that I actually would have taken it. And then they almost doubled their money in 24 hours because we said no. And we still turned it down when it was actually quite good money. Whereas I would have happily taken it and I would have loved to keep Balassi, despite the fact but that I see it's good business. Play. I mean, that's the thing. It's winning good saying that. But then who do you play when Sahar? I signed Kennedy. Yeah, but it was, so late. it was so late in the day. You couldn't really have done that. That's what I'm saying. Well, if done it Watford a couple... did it the next day. They got Kennedy on loan. Maybe it was a done deal. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, really but yeah, I mean, it wasn't great timing from their point of view. But also, 
the uh, management uh, some reason rates. Oh, I don't get it personally. Uh, but in the end, they went for Suzuko, so quite a different player, despite the fact that he's been shoved out on the wing for a few years now. Uh, one of those named players that, you know, turns up for one or two games, but quite frankly does nothing over many years. And I feel like that's the sort of player that Pardew loves. We were linked with him. You know, someone who, who looks on paper like he improves the team, but effectiveness, not just style-wise, but whether they're up for it, doesn't. I'm not sure about that signing. It doesn't fit with with uh, his philosophy. Plus, he's spent his whole career talking about how he loves Arsenal and wants to go there. Yeah, with the Arsenal thing, that'll be forgiven with a couple of good performances. And so, I mean, I, no, there's some deep hate. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, I think in this day and age, no one really really cares or if they do the media will just tell them not to and it's fine so I, I'm not I'm not it'll be the kind of thing if it wasn't Sissoko if they picked up a lesser player even someone like Waniyama and Waniyama had done those things it'd be picked up on more it's kind of inversely proportional to the level of the player um, regards to Sissoko yeah how would he fit in their philosophy I, I'm not quite sure but there's clearly a player there yeah there is and if there's one man to get it out of him it's it's Pep um, okay yeah. Liverpool were fairly quiet, which is funny because, you know, everyone's raving about Klopp, but they're also saying, oh, there's this big problem at left-back. Well, he's had all summer to fix it, and another window. Yeah, and you got rid of Flanagan and wouldn't pay the £10 million for the Leicester guy. And Smith, got rid of Smith. Smith yeah, yeah um, but, but you say there's been this praise with Klopp. £10 million for Leicester, you mean the Chilwell guy yeah. who's never even played? Yeah. Well, not a lot, sorry. But, but if you're going to rate the guy enough to say he'll be in Liverpool first thing, you've got to, got, to put, got to pick up the money. And the only reason he probably hasn't played is because of Leicester's defensive units. Mm. But, so but you say there's been raving back, raving back club. There's been a few articles that have been questioning him recently, which is... Yeah, but what, how did they go down? Not very well from the comments they were making out as if... Well, it was almost like you were questioning God. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, the stats... Uh, yeah, so he's been there since last October. It's a long enough sample. And the average points per game compared to Rodgers was ridiculous um, so we'll get on to this more later on uh, but okay um, a few more on signings then uh, Burnley have made a few signings broken their transfer record is it enough and is it in the right positions maybe I, I, I'll be honest I don't really know enough about their squads um, but I, f- I feel it might be one of those where it adds a bit of depth and I, I feel like they're probably going to try and battle their way to stay up with those signings rather than flare their way to stay up which is probably a right move Okay, I mean, I just love Dice. I really do. We'll talk about him a bit more later on. So I, I wish them well. Uh, Balassi, I'm gutted about. It sort of makes sense, but his debut was so good for Everton when he came on. He's clearly looking hungrier than ever with a new challenge. And I don't begrudge him the move at all. I wish him all the best, but, you know, I don't think it shines well on Pardew. But I just, I'm, I know that it's good value for money for the stats that he produces, but... He gets me off my seat and I feel like even if his runs don't always end in a goal, they genuinely change the tempo of the game and therefore the flow of the game. Um, so I, I'm devastated, but wish him all the luck and sort of see the logic in it. Um, what about some other signings? Leicester have signed the uh, guy from Sporting Lisbon. Yeah, with that, it could go either way. But at least, at least that's I, at least that was a kind of sign and signing where I thought, yeah, the the champions would make that signing because I've been a bit critical of their signings, not because they're not necessarily bad signings, but they're 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 the signings that they, yeah, they're, they're the signings that they could have signed if they'd finished tenth. And then think, uh, uh, we finished fourteenth, and we were seriously linked with him. We could have got him if we really pushed. Yeah, but you might have beaten them to that, whereas Leicester actually 
would have beaten clubs to that. So yeah, I, that one. And I'm not. And obviously, you you know, listeners and me that I'm not saying advocate on spending money for the sake of it. But they they always seem to have gone a bit too far. Not. Um, so it was it was a bit whether it worked out or not. At least it was kind of a, a signing they could have made. And his record was good good last year. So we'll see. Although I'm a bit disappointed they're not. I'm not playing Musa because I thought Musa's looked good every time he's come on. But now it looks like he'll be fourth choice striker. We'll have to see. I mean, they've not started convincingly. Uh, what about some other clubs? I mean, Sunderland, West Brom, Swansea haven't done a lot, particularly the former two. Swansea's a weird one because you'll say they've not done a lot, but I think they have. It's just not been... They signed. I think they signed a guy from Spain for 15 million. Yeah, they two... Lorente as well. Two big strikers. Yeah, but, but, and then they've got a few others. I, think I mean, I, I'm not convinced by those signings, but I think they have done stuff. It's just under-the-radar stuff. But what about a centre-back? I mean, we haven't mentioned Everton, but they've gone out and signed a lot of players. Whether they're players who are really going to take them to the next level, not on paper. On paper, Balassi doesn't take them to the next level compared to what they've got. Well, Williams possibly does simply because they've lost stones and they they need a solid centre-back. They've yeah, got I mean, one. That's, that, yeah, that's fair enough. Not on the next level stuff, though, in terms of, you know... Yeah, but I, I, think, I think it was important for them to keep the players and they get a good manager and they've done both. I think that was important. And kept Lukaku. Um, OK, Sunderland have just gone and signed a couple of ex-United players, you know, one of which I've, I like... Uh, never really heard of love, but not really done as much as you'd think. Some of them are in severe trouble. They've got they've got one striker, which is Defoe. I know they've signed Anatribi on a free now, and I think they've got Shamaka on trial. But Shamak was awful for us they're, last they're, year. They're in, they're in, I think they're in trouble. No, right? he's at West Brom, I believe. Oh, he's at West Brom, so yeah, I got them mixed up. But I think they're in trouble. I think they've got, a, and I think they've got a very very bad squad. They didn't. They, they held on to the centre back though. What's his name? They did, but they know. they didn't. They lose the other one. Uh, yeah, they did lose to Watford. Um, and, yeah, Spurs um, guy. They they um, they wanted to try and get was it Envilla back on loan and they signed him permanently, but they didn't. Yeah, that he was big for them. And Casri's on the bench. Yeah, but when your strike forces Defoe and Barini, Barini's well, you know my views on Barini. Pushed out on the wing. And then Defoe's good, but kind of old. You can't you can't really be relying on that. I I think they're in trouble. And do you know do you know one thing thing they they've done I haven't liked is that they've just signed this Boa Vista keeper. And that's just one of those annoying signings. Pickford's a good goalkeeper. He truly is. He makes mistakes, but then you need to play him. And He's young. That. Yeah. But then you've gone and signed this average foreign goalkeeper who is probably no better, but will make will probably, will probably make less mistakes, but then we'll probably let in one or two shots Pickford would have saved, so it'll balance out. But it's just kind of that we don't want to develop youngsters. But... I get the idea from a risk point of view, but it's not even a risk. As I say, if if that keeper was available, but all of a sudden, I I don't know. Um, say, I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to be unrealistic and say Loris will go to them. But let's say let's say Vorm was available, then I'd say fair enough. Vorm's a good goalkeeper. Probably shouldn't shouldn't be a number two at a club. But then then you say fine. But it's one of those. Yeah, it just annoys me. Fair enough. Uh, West Brom. That's an interesting scenario. They might have got the wrong Chinese owner because the. Villa ones are the ones spending all the dough around the corner. Um, but West Brom, um, I mean, the manager loves to spend. He said we need to freshen things up, which means spend a lot of money to not really improve the team because that's how he likes to roll. Um, and he said he wanted like five or six. Didn't get a great deal. I quite like the uh, signing from QPR earlier in the window. Um, they tried to get um, Ben Teke, but he'd already made his mind up. Nothing huge really happened for them. They they got the um, Shadley, didn't they? 
Yeah, who I do like and was good value, actually. Not that they needed value. I would have ripped them off a bit more for that. I'm surprised Levy didn't. Um, but I think that Pulis would have walked for that. I mean, he did the same sort of thing at Palace. And I think the only reason he isn't is because we sued him for £3 million. Yeah, he can't keep doing that, can he? No, I don't think so. So, don't seem happy there. Didn't try and sue him as well? Yeah, there was some really, from what I believe he, I can't remember exactly, he did some pretty horrible stuff there. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably ran out of money with all the court cases. Yeah. Talking of Gillingham, good luck against Spurs in the League Cup. I may well be going in the Tottenham end, but sporting Gillingham. Yeah, good, good. All right, okay. That's the... Uh, the Did we want to talk Newcastle? Yeah, sorry. I forgot the biggest shakers and movers. The team that have spent huge amounts for apparently, Premier League, let alone Championships. Right, apparently, and I'd have to, I haven't done the figures, apparently their net spend is minus 30 million. Because they've sold for so much? Yeah, but it's being made out of this. That's a good thing. Well, it's only because they've sold for so much. and they well, got Townsend was cheap. Townsend was cheap. Sissoko, if it wasn't for that one game, they, they wouldn't have got half that for him. And they've only and they've only sold one more, which I can't remember. But it's kind of being made out Benitez is doing fine because his net spend is minus thirty million. But he used to always use that at Liverpool as well. I loved it when they started losing at the beginning of the season. Yeah. They've picked up a bit now, but, but all the not. excuses as well. Well, they, they were the excuses were there. For yeah. them, apparently, but but they're making out as if like it's that excuse. They haven't spent much. Their net spend is under is minus thirty million. Well, it it damn well should be because they've got relegated. He shouldn't have the luxury. To go and buy it because they they sold as an example they sold Yam uh, Yamat didn't they for nine million or seven Yamat but then like for most other relegated clubs they'd have to get by but no they pretty much spend the same thing on Spurs right back uh, Yedlin yeah so like so they're kind of not really losing too many because they're always getting guys in pretty much the same to replace them but also adding adding depth I mean their strike force is ridiculous at that level. They've got a proven they've got the Ipswich striker, they've got Gail Ten Mil. Gail Ten Mil. Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Um Perez. They sent out on loan their youngster who scored loads at Coventry again. Oh, that's that's And ridiculous. then they went and signed a um, the Ipswich centre forward Murphy at 33 I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the whole point is Benitez is meant to be this great manager who improve players that's why you've got him in but yet, but yet yeah, he deserves a yeah, chance deserves a chance and, but the whole point if he's better than say your average clogger championship manager then he should be able to get this, this guy who did really well at league one level and bring him to the first team and bring him bring him playing championship football if he's that good a manager if he's your clogger championship manager I understand not but this is, this is the ridiculous thing if he's meant to be that good he can work with resources I'm not saying he can't sign anyone because obviously they need to work on that but if you're just going to just be really wasteful and not give players opportunities who, who deserve them and then just sign, sign, sign I mean he has two players in each position basically at premiership level more oh I mean their squad yeah. I mean basically look what we say is ignored because what the, the rhetoric has been decided. Yeah. He's doing an amazing job. Even if they struggle, wow, because he had to sell so many players, yeah. you know, and uh, all of this rubbish will be written. But, you know, it's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. It's it's the typical thing of, oh, these managers are so, so rated and these aren't. It's crazy. Um, I mean, he's playing championship football, but people are making out he's a world beater. beater. He did take them down. I know he didn't have that long, but he did do that. Um, So championship football, maybe he deserves. One thing that another club don't deserve, who didn't necessarily uh, do that much in the market as much as we thought, is uh, West Ham, who will not be playing European football, beaten again by the same team. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it really is. Mm. Should we move on to the manager focus? Well, I I think this is a good transition. 
Well, I think this is a better transition, listeners. So a quick break for you guys uh, before we come back and we talk about the manager focus. And we're back after that quick break. We hope you're refreshed. Okay, so let's move on to the second half of the show, which hopefully will be shorter for you. Okay, so we've already touched upon managers, and we we, we ended in the last first part by talking about how um, Benitez is getting such a fucking wank fest over him. There's no other way to put it. We've mentioned Klopp already. Let's go into some of these things in a bit more depth. I, I, I want you to, to run with this. Yeah, so let's let's um, let's let's go with Klopp. So the re- the reason why I thought let's bring him back up again is because let's actually have a proper conversation, not not just reframing segments. You know, he's being overrated. This and we've done loads of this conversation. Yeah, but I'm saying let's do it proper focus rather than we just throw it in here and there. I think we've done it focus, but anyway, go on. Um, but but the reason why is because there's actually starting to be a few more criticisms of him. So this this seems a good time anyway, just to have an objective evaluation of his records so far. So he came in maybe, se- I think he came in seven or eight games after Rodgers. They were struggling, allegedly. Um, but there were a couple of points of Champions League, I think four or five. End of the season, he took them less less points of Champions League. There was they were a lot further behind. But you can say, fair enough, he's building a team and so on, and there were some good signs. And he's been able to buy players, and they have spent a lot of money. So let's go through their transfers. 25 on Wijnaldum. Um, who else they've signed? Mane, 34. Mane, 34. Um, there's, there's more. And the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm reluctant to criticise managers for spend. I'm, I'm going to judge it on the player, and I'm going to judge it on where they Clarven. needed them. Clavin, yep. Who's, who's been in, yeah, the Estonia. I'm going to... Because Manninger, Manninger yeah. Because managers, they're, they're not really in control of the money now. They're selectively in control when the, you know, when the narrative fits, but fundamentally they're not now. So it's, so it's about whether these signings have improved the team, whether they were necessary. Mane started off well. I have my doubts about Mane, which we've discussed. He has started off well. Very well. Very well. But it's, it's only early stages. But, let's evaluate, but now we can evaluate the record. There's been no real improvement. The points is, are about the same. The, perform- the performances are the big one for me. They basically can attack and can't defend. Sounds, sounds like Rogers to me. Well, actually, Rogers got significantly criticised for the signings that he made. So it's like what you say. I mean, you know, you've got to be consistent. You can't say managers aren't in control, but they are in control when you want to have a go at someone. So um, you didn't have a go at Rogers, but you're also actually giving Klopp a bit of a... Uh, yeah, not pure criticism on the transfer front. You're being consistent, and the media need to do the same. Definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, so certainly. But then, but then with that, one of the reasons of Klopp brought in was because Rodgers did so badly with those players, like Markovic and so on, and surely Klopp would improve them. But Klopp has basically just got rid of the same players Rodgers didn't want. Balotelli, um, what's the name, Markovic, and and um, Skirtle and so on, basically all the, all those signings. But Rogers, it was quite clear, wasn't in control of the transfers. To the same extent, Rogers did not want Balotelli. And this is the thing: Klopp's basically doing a we the dealer thing. He's getting rid of certain players. He's bringing certain ones in that haven't improved the side. The Estonian is no improvement on Skirtle. You might have said, you might say, fine, Skirtle wants to leave. Fair enough. Then that's why you've got youngsters. Oh no, he sold them, didn't he? 
And yeah, he <laughs> although he's got the buyback clauses, so you know he can get all the credit when he buys them back after some you know, a good manager like Howe, who actually improves players, get uh, actually develops them. Yeah, yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. Because he gets credit for apparently working with youngsters and stuff, but the signs are not there at all. Well, well, actually, well let's go through that. So he's improved. So let's go through the narrative. He's transformed the club. That's one of the things. All right, so. How has he transformed the club? Not points. They bought out the points per game mm. under Klopp, under Rodgers. Rodgers way ahead despite his bad spells. Um, in fact, Rodgers did take a team from outside the Champions League who weren't even expected to finish in the Champions League when he first took over to almost winning the league and finishing second. OK, well, but the, the thing with that is that they were saying Rodgers had Suarez. OK. Yeah, but hang on. When, when someone like Suarez comes good, you know, because he wasn't proven good before he had that great season Um, when they come good under a foreign manager the foreign manager gets credit for for that transition whereas Rodgers isn't it's got again be consistent yeah no I agree agree totally absolutely agree totally so that that was just the point I wanted wanted to address so all right so with that transform the club all right so the 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 club is a bit more upbeat the fans are more upbeat but you know why they're upbeat hype hype Hype. It's, 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 it's like it's like a it's, it's like a guy with glasses and braces who've managed to go out of a hot girl. That's what it comes down to. So then then if you're going to a hot girl, even if you're unhappy, you're going to look for all the positives out of that because you just can't believe they got them. And this is how it's coming across. It's sort of funny because he's got the glasses and stuff like that. It's quite funny. Yeah. He's the hot girl, or yeah. is he the glasses guy? Yeah. He's the hot girl. Yeah. yeah, he's in this analogy he is. But so, so that tra- transfer zone is is more on hype rather than rather than anything substantial. So has he improved the style of play? So they basically attack a lot. They can't defend, and they can't break down teams. Rogers attacked a lot, couldn't defend, couldn't break down teams. And was inconsistent at times, which is exactly what Liverpool are. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. So then let's look at players he's allegedly improved from Rodgers. Well, there's absolutely no one in goal or defence that he's improved. Yeah. They said Lovren for a while. He was marginally better for a while, but not long term. Uh, Sacco obviously doesn't even respect him enough to behave. Right, midfield, I mean, Henderson, definitely not. Nothing special. Henderson was probably better under Rodgers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Coutinho's brilliant now, but he was coming brilliant anyway. You no, know. no, he, no, there's, uh, Coutinho, Coutinho was excellent under Rodgers as well. For me, there's no... Well, but, yeah. well, the point is, is some people will give him credit for the uh, Coutinho coming on, but then won't give Rodgers credit for Suarez coming on. It's yeah. the same sort of logic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then up front, couldn't work with Benteke. Origi came a bit better, but he's hardly a world beater. Sturridge, no. I mean, he was much better under Rodgers. Yes, he's had injuries, but either way, he can't get credit for it. Yeah, definitely. And so, that's how, I mean, for me, no, yes. But let's put context to that. Well, has he even come on? He's, you know, yeah. I don't know how good he was in uh, Germany. Yeah, and let's also put context to that. Rodgers yeah, was able to work with Firmino for, for, for seven games before he was sacked. So and he, he only's come good recently, and the goal is it's not convincing the end product isn't necessarily there okay so and what about what about Markovic oh no not Markovic no um, any other players we're missing let's, let's be fair about this I honestly don't think so no and Mane we can't say because Mane didn't work under Rodgers uh, so far so good but yeah. in terms of what he's done with him but, yeah. so, so it's the same point I made with in terms of when Allardyce took over Hodgson if it's going to be the same, there's no point changing the manager. If, it, if you're going to sign a player who's going to do the same job, there's no point changing the manager. And this evaluation, it, it's, it's, it's about the same. But it's not just the hype. 
It's the fact that he got a new six-year deal based on a couple of final losses and poor performances in the league. When I spoke to this about a friend of mine, they said, oh, yeah, but, you know, look what he'd done at Dortmund. And uh, I brought that up to Portelli, who made a great point. When you get hired in a new role, you then don't have a few average first months and then they give you a massive, massive long contract saying, well, yeah, because in your last job you were good. You get the job because of your last record and then when you're in that job, you need to keep it and prove yourself. Mm. So why does the same logic not apply to him? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the trouble is, though, a few articles have made very similar points and they've been absolutely slated in the comments and by fans and they've said things like, ah, oh, the media is so knee-jerk. And it's like, well, knee-jerk is a couple of games, not almost a year. Knee-jerk is saying he's done a brilliant job when he hasn't. That's knee-jerk. The second point was made is that why are people saying he's under pressure? And why are people saying he's done a bad job? Have you and I said he's done a bad job? I've said that he's done a six, six and a half out of ten job. Some positive signs. and let's Yeah, completely. And I mean, we're happened. not saying he should be sacked either. Have you said that? Well, as I just said, it's not about that. It's six out of ten, not a six-year deal. Yeah, definitely. And this, this, is, this is a fundamental issue. It's just not being balanced either, either way. And I made, I made this point to Stefan. I've said... It's like you can divide managers and probably people in life as well into two columns. You've got the column one manager who, if they're doing poorly, it's he hasn't got the players he wanted. Column two manager. So the column one managers for the record would be a Mourinho or Guardiola or Klopp. And if they're doing poorly, it's because they haven't got the players they wanted. A column two manager, a Hughes, an Allardyce, um, a Rogers, a Dyche, is wasting money on average players. A column one manager... If they if they've if they've defended and got a lucky win is tactical masterclass. A column two manager is defensive football. Park the bus. Park the bus. Yeah. Um, a column one manager who needs time to to kind of build a team is he needs time to repair his previous manager's mistakes. A column two manager is you should make an impact with those players. It really is just kind of that. You can almost almost assign managers to columns. It, it is that simple, sadly. Um, and that, that's that's what I wanted to really discuss. I mean, we've then Benitez certainly is a column one manager, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it is possible to move between the two, and I think we should have a catchier name for them, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's diff. It, it's you've actually got to actively work on it. Or and what what the interesting thing is as well is that you can be a column one manager, and then all of a sudden they're raving about you. And this works with players to some extent. Mm. Uh, and, and we'd be saying, well, why are you raving about it? But then all of a sudden the tide turns and goes completely the opposite the other way, kind of abstractly. It's strange how it like works. Van Howe's a recent example. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it's And even Mourinho in his final season at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it just basically proves that we live in a sensationalist world, which is either everything's amazing or everything's bad, which you know, is is unhealthy and probably is seeping into our mental health. Um, people's mental health is at an all-time low and it's probably also, again, because of these massive swings of up and down which permeate throughout our life growing up that we can't help to sort of suck up. Um, luckily, we've, we don't, so we're not breaking down mentally or also loving Klopp. Best of both worlds. Indeed, indeed. But you wanted to talk about um, Lennon as well. Well, yeah, I want to talk about Lennon on a manager front and I want to talk about Sean Dyche on a manager front. So Lennon, um, as in Neil Lennon, who, you know, did spectacularly fail at Bolton despite the difficult circumstances. Um, 
that did very well at Celtic. He was interviewed recently um, and gave a very honest interview. It was admirable. But basically, they asked him all sorts of things. They asked him about Rogers because basically Rogers was getting. We were getting calls on on radio shows saying that despite the fact that some of the results haven't always been perfect so far with Celtic in Europe. The fans are raving. The fans are saying, this is the best football I've ever seen. I've never seen players so happy. I've never seen a man transform the club and a style as much one man do so. So Rodgers is getting a lot of praise. He's getting the cop treatment. <laughs> he is, but maybe more deservedly so. Um, so that was interesting. And Lennon wasn't necessarily... Um, going on the bandwagon for that, which is up to him. Um, but he also dismissed a lot of things that happened in football. He basically said, look, the papers said this, what a load of rubbish, that never happened. But he was also as frank about management. He basically said, people rave about these managers and, and when they say they've done this, then they rave about it. But of course I did that. So did every other manager. He basically said, we all pretty much do the same things. There isn't a great deal of difference between any of them. And he included all of them. He just said, well, it depends if you've got a better players or not. That's basically what it comes down to. It comes down to injuries. I've always said who wins the league is a team that has the least injuries. Yeah, I mean, but it was refreshing for a manager to admit yeah. to almost to his chairman, why are you paying me extra? I could... My job, I'm not doing much different than what anyone else would do. Well, we've seen, we've seen. I mean, the perfect experiment is Benitez. He he got a club. He's got he got a club relegated. He only had seven or eight games, but then any other manager would have only had that time as well, and potentially could have done better. And then he's he's for the team he has. He's struggling in the championship relative to the team he has. But yeah, and then and you can say and the you know, counter argument is Moyes at Man United and. Rogers at Liverpool. I mean, we've talked to Rogers at Liverpool. It's unfair. Moyes at United, yes, but then Van Hal didn't do any better. And spent a lot more and had a better legacy. Into and, and actually, coming back to that, Mourinho is getting credit for the signings. And I was reading one thing which is quite funny because someone made a counterpoint, kind of saying they just have to have signed the right players. I'm sure Moyes would have done well with Pogba and Ibrahimovic and so on. And the argument was, well, Mourinho identified targets that were achievable. Did Moyes sell Pogba? No, I think that was Ferguson. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, but then, um, but the the counter to that, which was a really weak counter, was that Mourinho was excellent because he identified players that were achievable. Moyes and Van Hal didn't. Yeah, because Pogba and Ibrahimovic are just so kind of anyone can get those guys. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I want to bring up what um, Sean Dice said, which was similar to what Lennon said in terms of the. You know the over-the-top stuff of lies in the media, but also the stuff where you know they rave about Pep banning pizza, but have a go at Moyes for doing something similar. Yeah. Um, basically, Sean Dyche came out and said that exact same point that we've been saying. He said, "What a load of rubbish that they go over the top with these foreign managers." And um, you know, Allardyce has said stuff along the same lines in the past. And he's just slated for this. I mean, Sean Dyche's managerial record is literally unblemished unless you can criticise them for falling short of staying up a few years ago, which seems a harsh criticism in the circumstances of a team almost tipped for relegation the year before with many, not many changes. Um, so this guy, you know, he's, he's a good manager and he's still at Burnley, which is a sign of loyalty. But it proves our point as well about how 
there isn't that progression for English managers and we look so favourably to foreign names rather than English names and he's spot on about um, the fact that these foreigners are getting such criticism for the same things that our guy does our guys do well what really wound me up is that when I listened to some watch, read some articles and listened to the Guardian mention this you know who we're fans of but I was a bit disappointed massively because basically they just dismissed his views completely and said well you've got a massive chip on your shoulder you're the new Sam of chip on your shoulder which is funny because people have changed the uh, the thing on Sam but you know they've changed the kind of ethos and said oh he's got all these modern training methods after all yeah. um, but they, they didn't even for a second consider that he might be telling the truth it was dismissed out of hand and he was mocked as if he was just some bitter person and I'm not personally seeing that he's got a record of constantly moaning about things personally I haven't noticed that so why would you not consider his thoughts worth thinking about for a good manager who's not known to be a moaner because he's a column two manager there we go frustrated me infuriated me and column two was the answer Yeah, but I mean it is I mean because like the points he was saying was fine I mean the arguments that is saying that Conte's done it on the because he was comparing himself to Conte wasn't he mm. and um, the argument is that Conte's won stuff and he hasn't but as we discussed with Conte is that Conte had that progression Conte did actually probably about an equivalent job as Dyche did no no he maybe did worse maybe definitely worse, worse. Yeah. well Dyche's is unblemished yeah. Do, I mean Conte yeah. never got relegated with a mega mega weak team yeah okay. yeah no fair enough and, and, and he got the Juventus job from that and actually with, Len- with Lennon's work if he wanted to you could say Lennon did well at Celtic, did, poor, did. did poorly at Bolton. He did. Yeah. Um, that could argue saying that he's better with the better better players. You know, you say some managers and some players are better. That's the excuses yeah. they'd make for yeah. if it was that's a Benito. Excuse, that's the excuse they have made for certain managers who have fallen. They've said the players just aren't good enough for the for the manager. So arguably you could look at look at his record and, and say that. Um, but I want to quickly finish with the Daesh point because the... Uh, Daesh, we should be taking that more seriously, not less. And in any other country, it would be taken seriously. But because we're almost so self-hating, that we don't. You know, if it was, say, in Spain, and the Spanish manager said that, a mid-table Spanish manager said that, then I think that would be taken more seriously in their country. Fair enough. Um, But why would we ever dismiss someone who's clearly a good manager or an intelligent person, their views, out of hand without considering them? It's column two. It's, it's crazy. It seems a crazy world that we live in. I thought better of The Guardian for it. I'm very disappointed in that. If you listen, Guardian, which we know you sometimes actually do, <laughs> then uh, you're not going to bring it up I again. Mean, it's in the past, the, but exactly. hey. But that's the thing. Just, 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 just explore it. Just explore it objectively. But he is... Get back to your roots of, of talking about these sorts of debates yeah. like you used to. He's, a, he's absolutely right. He really is. Okay. Um... I think we're ready to finish on our last couple of topics here. Um, It's something that I want to throw upon you here. I think you will recognise it. Basically, there's been quite an outcry about um, the fact that under-23 teams of Category 1 development squads of of some of the bigger clubs, but I think even Blackburn fit into that, have been invited into the St. Johnson's Paint Trophy, Mm. uh, or whatever it's called now, and many of them have rejected and refused, but some of them accepted. And, I mean, culturally for me it goes against everything that we stand for as a nation in terms of our football culture compared to others. Uh, I think it's a worrying, dangerous sign from a big club power point of view. 
uh, although obviously Blackburn don't fit into that. And I also uh, think it's a complete mockery and a disgrace and I'm worried about what it could lead to and it's proven by the absolutely shocking attendances uh, that have occurred. Well, there's, there's, two, there's, two, there's two things for that. So the first one is that the reason why it's been done is because clubs are so bloated that the only way they can give their under-23s football... Competitive football. Competitive football is to play in that kind of tournament. But again, rather than addressing the cause of that and saying, all right, let's restrict our big club signing players so the youth players will get the chance, they've decided to go the other way and actually make the whole tournament work towards the big clubs when it should be the other way around. Completely. Um, it's absolutely disgraceful and I think there should... I hate the EPPP I'd go further and say that clubs should be limited to how many players they can even have at the at the at the club at the football club um, because they're stockpiling and it's ruining youth it's ruining talent but from an, a cultural point of view I had this big talk with a, a colleague of mine um, who's a Spaniard who's a massive Valencia fan um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the pod but he's also you know, follows a little local team in in the region and he, um, he's, we spoke about B teams and how basically VS Boas wanted the under-23s to effectively be able to play mm. like Barcelona do in the championship equivalent. Mm. And uh, I was furious because of um, yeah, the reasons I'll go on to explain and what I've kind of touched upon. And he, he was totally comfortable with it because in Spain that's the standard. Now, the reason I, I, what I explained to him, and I had another colleague who's a Brazilian but has lived in East London for a long time, was that... In England, it's not like Spain. I spoke to him about Spain, and in Spain, everyone supports a La Liga club, but usually a big few club. And I know it's gone that way a bit in England, um, but then their second team might be their local team. But I was trying to explain to him, and was backed up by the Brazilian who um, met someone who's a hardcore Romford fan, I think it was, that in England, our football league clubs and below, and our non-league clubs, there are, there are many fans that genuinely, that is their only club. That's their number one club. And that club represents the area. Not a bigger club represents the area. Each club represents a different area. And how that would therefore be a right wind-up if some club who are stealing all your youth talent are then beating you, winning the league, that you would mean so much for you to win and nothing to them and it wouldn't even lead to them getting a chance in the first team. How infuriating that would be and how against our culture of football of, you know, actually respecting the community and the local clubs and the small clubs, that would be. And I'm worried that we're moving away from that and the culture of society is leading it more to be like a Spanish supporting style and the big five clubs. I mean, plenty of people even laugh at me supporting Palace. We're you know, yeah, roughly yeah. mid-table Premier League team. For me, that's almost glory hunting, yeah. um, but they don't see it that way. Um, and also, it just shows that power dynamic and how the big clubs, big businesses are just getting everything their own way. It's an absolute fucking disgrace. But that's why we can't ever criticise a Klopp or De Gea or Ibrahimovic or whoever. But I, w- I want to make... Um, this links nicely to my second point I was going to make. And actually, I'm going to have, it's good I'm saying it because then we've got it, I've got it as a record. And because this is a football podcast where we talk, so you have to say things. Ah, you, you know, you ruined the dramatic effect of my, my statement I was going to make. Oh, so, sorry. So, uh, so, so, it's on record. Ten years' time, if not this, there will be B teams in the championship. No. Mm. All right, I see it, seriously, I'll make that point because I feel it's, it's, a, it's an incremental thing. You right now will say, no, that's crazy. But then I, with each I, I see where you're going. I just think it will take more than 10 years. Right, fair, but with each passing year, it's different. I mean, can you imagine, say, 
five years before the Champions League ex- ex- um, expanded to more teams and we got rid of um, the Cup Winners' Cup and we rebranded the UEFA Cup. If someone had said five years before that, that happened, that's going to happen. People would think that's crazy. People would go, Champions League is only for one place. UEFA Cup's going strong. Cup Winners' Cup is great. Teams like that. And then it just we just move the bar each each year. It gets increment step by step. And this is what I mean. I think 10 years. I really do. I mean, I'd hate it. Um, but I also think that you're wrong. I think it'll be longer. I think it will happen. Um, I think the Super League thing will happen one day. Yeah, yeah, um, I think the playing games abroad will happen one day. And all of these things will make me fall more and more out of love with the game, to be honest. Um, so I think they're coming, but I think uh, it could be a while away. But, but, but here's they'll get, get around. Oh, that's, that's, to add credit to your comment, though, you know that in a couple of years now, we will, there will be no risk of England losing their four Champions League spots that now it's been just decided that they will, the top few leagues will forget the coefficient of meritocracy. Exactly. It's purely yeah. that. Um, in addition to that, there might be this whole, you know, wild card which would be just given to a club that doesn't qualify the fifth big club in England, probably. Well, well here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. I mean, you, you've already... I mean, the fact that we're even talking about under-23 teams entering a tournament, even a year ago, that would have been considered crazy. Now we're talking about it. So this year won't happen. Next year, I can see a couple of teams doing it. Maybe next year, more and more. And then four years down the line, we get used to it. Then from there, we'll have a situation. The reason why I think it will happen before 10 years or maybe 10 years because it won't be direct. It'll be more like someone will be a feeder club for someone. Maybe someone like Brentford. I'm only picking on Brentford because they're a London team I've just thought of. But maybe someone like Brentford. Well, actually, will... I'd like to say something on that. I mean, that's harsh from Brentford. No, no, that was, just a, that was just a random club I picked. Could I mean be anyone. Is, um, even Parish, who's generally mm. Crystal Palace chairman, you know, respects the culture of, of fans and everything like that. Mm. Even he said that uh, it's hard to bring you through into the Premier League excuse. Or it would be quite good if we could uh, have a partnership, a link up with a local yes. team where we could send out yes. six to eight players on loan. Yeah. And he's a man who generally does get it. Yeah. So well. this is what I mean. So that kind of stuff will be, what's to say, insidiously done. And then, and then at that point, it will practically be a B team. It won't be sold as a B team, but it will be. And there might even be deals in place where this this championship club or this League One club can't sign players of anyone else. So let's say let's say this League One club. So maybe I, was, you know, I won't mention names because obviously Brentford fans might get annoyed. Uh, that was just a random club I picked. Let's say this arbitrary League One club has a deal with Arsenal and Arsenal get all their players. For all intents and purposes... Uh, Millwall. Yeah. Very well, yeah. Yes, they're, 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 for all intents and purposes, they're Arsenal's B club. Um, but, but then they will have an agreement which means they can't sign any other players from Arsenal. From, not, not from Arsenal, from any other club above them. And this is what I mean, this will happen because, as you've said, it's practically already happened already. Well, the power divide's so big. I mean, mm. to put into context, Crystal Palace has signed a player, one player for as much money as it would probably cost to buy Cholton and maybe even admit all, let alone one of them alone. Yeah. So you've said, you've, 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 said it's un- you've said it might be more than 10 years. Now I talk about it, I think it could, could be a lot sooner. Capitalism within football gone too far mm. without enough intervention. It's nuts and it's happening, I'm afraid. Yeah, but do you take my point why I think it could be less than I 10 years? I do, but I still, th- I don't know, maybe it's hope rather than anything. I think it could take longer, particularly maybe League One, League Two, which would still be a disgrace. But um, 
You're right. I mean, you know, the, the, the football manager thing that you, we were talking about as well, I just want to drop in that the 4-4-2 had the top 100 managers mm. and that backs up the points we were making about column one and column two. I can't... It was so low that there was an Englishman there, if at all, in the top 50. It was an absolute disgrace. Klopp was seven and we've just spoken about him. Simeone um, was number one, which was good right. but in some ways, but, you know, he, his style hasn't necessarily... Uh, been checked low was was high even though he's never played been at club level. There's there's so many ridiculous ones that we couldn't go through it. But just to mention a few, Deschamps was high. I think Rebroff was even higher than a most Englishmen. Um, you know it, it's crazy. I mean they were giving all sorts of of respect to like the Iceland manager, but they're not Chris Coleman, which you know surely there's a similarity there in terms of the jobs that were done and giving credit to Bob Bradley, the head of people, uh, English managers, it was absolutely crazy. There was no Dice, Allardyce, How or Rowe anywhere near the top. Um, Hughes was British or, you know, it was crazy. Well, shall we now transition to the uh, the prediction spreadsheet? Wrap up yeah. with something lighthearted. Let's wrap up with something lighthearted indeed. So um, we promised you that we, at the beginning of the last season, we'd done a spreadsheet of uh, where we th- thought people would end up um, and we'd look it up because it was trapped on a computer in Switzerland. We've we've now got that. And we did two columns, which is where they should finish budget-wise and player-wise, and where we think they would finish. We'll just focus on where we thought they would finish. Um, so I'm going to run through quickly because you can always hit back, rewind and, and so on. Um, Portelli's list first. So Portelli went for Champions Chelsea, then Arsenal, City, United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton, Crystal Palace, Swansea, Stoke, West Ham, West Brom, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Southampton, Norwich, Sunderland, and to be relegated, Villa, Leicester, second to bottom, and Watford. So out of the three that he said would go down, only one of them did. To be fair, Sunderland uh, were close. Southampton did much better than expected. Sunderland did, sorry, Newcastle did worse. Bournemouth were about right. West Ham did better. West Brom slightly worse. Stoke about right. Palace did a bit worse. Everton did worse. Um, the top four, Chelsea were obviously nowhere near it. Arsenal did finish second. City were fourth. United were fifth. Liverpool were a bit lower. Tottenham were higher. And obviously Leicester were nowhere near to be seen. It's not awful. Mm. What have you got to say on it to defend yourself? To be honest, I thought it'd be worse. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I think mine's slightly better from memory. Um, yeah. Okay, so mine was City to win the league. Okay, that didn't happen. Chelsea, okay, didn't happen. United and Arsenal, or maybe it's not that much better. Liverpool, Tottenham, Swansea, Everton, Southampton, Palace, Stoke. So I gave Southampton a bit more credit. West Brom, West Ham, Watford, Newcastle, Leicester, Sunderland, Bournemouth, Norwich and Villa. No, 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 no. I put Bournemouth to go down. That surprises me. I said only just. Um, Well, okay. Well, at least in my bottom two, two of them did go down. Sunderland did finish there. I at least didn't put Leicester in the relegation zone. All right. I didn't put them anywhere near the top. So I'm not going to try and pretend I did. But I put Watford pretty much where they are. The rest of them weren't amazing. But then... There's plenty of yours that weren't amazing as well. So, you know, we, we've given us what we think will happen this year. We thought it's best to go back and look at what we did last year. Sorry we didn't have it at the time, but um, that's just the way that, you know, these amazing international lives of ours uh, crumble. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how yours compare at the end of the season as well. All right, I think you've had enough of us now. 
thank you for listening. We will probably not have such a big gap between now and next time, so listen out for announcements and spread the word uh, about our show. And, uh, well, really, we just want to thank you guys for listening and say goodbye. Goodbye. Anything and else to add? No, just just really happy to be back, and I'll, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat your low snow. <laughs>